Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girl, for a super special edition of Finsider Radio. And while we wait for Sutton and Houts to join our show, we have a lot of information to share with you. Tony Pauline of DraftAnalyst.com joins us for an interview. We talked to him earlier today. And Sutton, I see you've now joined into the show after a little technical difficulty there. We have information for you that you have not heard anywhere else. And we are going live after not being live for a very long time. And when we go live, you know it's a big deal. And tonight, it's a big deal. Because we've all heard the talk about quarterbacks. We've all heard the talk about Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen and everything else. We've heard the talk about Jarvis Landry. We've heard who the Dolphins might select at number 11 if they don't get a quarterback if they don't trade up. So what exactly is going to happen? And Tony Pauling, when we play the interview in just a few minutes, is going to let us know everything. And while we wait for our audience to build since we are going live, and since we did wait to go live until the very last minute in terms of letting everybody know, we decided instead of holding this interview off until Wednesday morning or or Thursday morning, that we would go here uh, tonight and to make sure that this information gets out there before it can get anywhere else. Hi, so, it's Jamie, out, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a know, row. Sorry about that. That ad from the interview was playing. Just got to mute that out so we get the ad going before we start playing it. So, Sutton, you know, before we jump into this interview, real quick, your thoughts on the NFL Combine, about everything, just random thoughts, 30 seconds, interviews loading up. What do you got for us? 
All right, looks like Sutton is still having some technical difficulties here. We're going to get him back on the line, but I am loading up this interview right now. I just am playing through the ad so you don't hear the ad that plays at the beginning of the interview. Since we uh, did record it earlier today, we just do need to uh, play that through because Block Talk does put the ads in there. But it is loading up. It's coming through. And you're going to be inundated with lots of information from Tony Pauline in about five seconds. You hear the ad playing in the background. We're going to pull into it right now. Tony, We are joined now by Tony Pauline of DraftAnalyst.com. Tony, thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. Thanks for having me. All right, Tony, let's get straight to it. A lot of talk coming out of the NFL Combine about the Miami Dolphins and quarterbacks, specifically their interest and as some say love for Baker Mayfield. How accurate is that? Is it a smokescreen, and what do you see the Dolphins doing? Uh, you know, I reported uh, just as the combine was starting that I thought they were going to use Jarvis Landry as, a, as ammunition to trade up and get one of the quarterbacks uh, if they start to fall. So they, de- they definitely are interested in the quarterbacks. Whether it's Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen, I don't know that yet. Uh, I-, I think both have upside, both have downside. And I think we'll know more as we get closer to draft day. But the fact is this. The Dolphins are looking at a young quarterback. They're not sold on Ryan Tannehill. Um, really hasn't proven himself despite the big contract he was uh, handed. So, you, could, you, you know, it's a story to follow. And there is, uh, you know, obviously a lot of credibility to it that they may go quarterback in round one. So you say the smokescreen there – possible smokescreen there, uh, report of love in Baker Mayfield, possibly Josh Rosen. You got Sam Darnold at the top there, possibly the Browns coming up to get him. And you also got Josh Allen and also Lamar Jackson. In your opinion, who do you see as the best quarterback in this draft? Well, Lamar Jackson is really not in that conversation. If he goes in the first round, it's going to be at the bottom of round one. Uh, of the other guys that, that you mentioned, I, I mean, all have upside, all have downside. Right now, Sam, uh, Josh Rosen is my number one rated quarterback. I think he is the most NFL ready. He is the most accurate passer compared to Alan Darnold. He really gets it between his ears uh, more so than those two guys. His arm isn't as good as Allen's or Darnold's, and he's got a, a long injury history, which has to be checked out, which you know may scare some teams. He's had concussions last year. The prior year, he had a shoulder injury, which shelved him for most of the season. And he's got a personality that just rubs people the wrong way. So, again, a lot of upside, but some downside with him. Uh, Josh Allen, I actually think, will be the first quarterback who is selected. Uh, he's got a wow. tremendous arm. I mean, he has the ability to make passes that no other quarterback uh, in this draft and some other quarterbacks in the league cannot make uh, w- with that arm strength. And he's ba- he shows the ability to really place the passes at times into the receiver's hands, but he's very inconsistent about it. You know, you've heard criticisms and concerns about the accuracy, and they're true. Uh, I do think he helped himself at the uh, combine. He wasn't precisely accurate, but you didn't see receivers leaving their feet or adjusting backwards to catch air and throws. He's got to be put in a situation where he's given time and he's given proper coaching. You know, Sam Darnold, he's got great, uh, he's got better uh, physical skills than um, Josh Rosen. He's more accurate than Josh Allen, but he's far from NFL ready. He needs a lot of work on his fundamentals. He needs a lot of work on his ball security. He drops that ball too much, whether it's through interceptions, whether it's fumbled snaps, whether it's fumbled when he's carrying the ball outside the pocket. You know, that's a major question mark, as are his reads. I mean, he was described to me during the season as a one-read wonder. So you have to you have to try and 
project how long before he's ready to step underneath the center in the NFL and do so productively once all those other or how long it's going to take to get all those other things in line. Baker Mayfield, I'm not really sold on Baker Mayfield as far as the next level is concerned. I know he was an electrifying quarterback. Uh, he was a great uh, quarterback to watch on Saturday. The height is an issue. He doesn't have a huge arm. Playing in, in that wide-open system in the Big 12, I just my, my concerns with Baker Mayfield is he's not going to be able to do the same things on Sunday that he got away with doing on Saturday. He's not going to be able to thread the needle like he did in the Big 12. He's not going to be able to really uh, escape the pocket as easily as he did on Saturday. Uh, so I, I think Baker Mayfield's, you know, he's a good quarterback. I, I just don't consider him an elite quarterback prospect. It's funny because everyone's talking about Baker Mayfield. Not a lot are talking about Josh Allen, but you're saying you think Josh Allen be the first quarterback off the board. It wouldn't be a huge surprise in terms of what happens at the draft. We saw the Bears trade up last year for Trubisky when no one expected that the Chiefs trade up for Patrick Mahomes. Let's shift away now from quarterbacks and go to running backs. And the first running back obviously taken off the board this year will be Saquon Barkley. And everyone's just raving about him. Some are calling him like Sean Payton is the best running back prospect he's seen in 25 years. What can you tell us about Saquon? Is he, is he the next greatest thing? Well, he looks to be. I mean, obviously, you know, when you get to the next level, a running back can't do it all by himself. He's got to be put in a situation where he's got a good offensive line, which is why I think, you know, the Cleveland Browns would do justice for themselves and the Barkley by, taking, by using the first pick of the draft on him because they have a very good offensive line. Barkley's a three-down back. He's got a lot of versatility to his game. He can grind it out on the inside. He's a smart back with excellent vision. He can pick and choose his spots on the inside. He's got the speed to turn the corner and run to daylight. He's a terrific receiver out of the backfield, a legitimate pass-catching threat. He's also an outstanding return specialist. I don't know that you're going to use him once he gets established in his game, in his game at the next level, but hey, you never know. If your team's down by four points and there's less than two minutes left and you need a big kick return, you might as well stick him back there. I think it's the completeness of his game. I think it's the versatility. I think it's the ability to be used in different blocking schemes that makes him so attractive. And then, of course, the topping on the cake was his workout. I mean, he proved that he is a big, fast, strong, explosive athlete uh, that really can just about do anything at the running back position. We're joined by Tony Pauling of DraftAnalyst.com. Tony, just a few more questions for you here today. Suppose the Dolphins don't move up for a quarterback or they don't draft a quarterback in the first round. You got guys like Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edwards, Derwin Jones possibly falling down to number 11. Who do you see as a guy that may fall down to that range for the Dolphins who would work out for them? I don't think uh, Tremaine Edmonds is going to be there. I think the uh, Oakland Raiders are going to take him at 10. You know, the question mm-hmm. is, is, is Derwin James the center fielder that they like or is he strictly a strong safety? I think that's something that they have to answer. Uh, if you're looking at uh, linebacker, it could be Ro- uh, Roquan Smith. It could also be uh, uh, Leighton Vanderesh, who's moving up draft boards. Who is, mm. you know, doesn't uh, it, it probably isn't as good in pursuit as uh, Roquan Smith is, but he's a three-down back who's much better in coverage and has much greater ability as a pass rusher. So, uh, you know, the only name I, I would take Tremaine Edmonds out of that conversation, I may sla- uh, slide Leighton Vanderesh in there and basically take it from one of those three players. Tony, let's shift away from the draft for just a second. What is the latest you're hearing on Jarvis Landry? Well, I mean, the latest I'm hearing is what I reported right before the combine, is that they're going to use him as a trade chip. They're going to try and use him to move up. 
uh, and basically uh, get one of the quarterbacks. But, you know, come April, come May 1st, I don't expect Jarvis Landry to still be a Miami Dolphin. All right. And one more question, Tony, for you. Just give us a little background on DraftAnalyst.com, your website. Yeah, basically, we're, we are dedicated to the NFL draft 12 months a year. So we don't cover the draft just for three or four months. Uh, I mean, we went from uh, extensive combine coverage starting tomorrow. We get into the pro days. We'll delve into that for the next month or so uh, head first, uh, as well as breaking news. We'll have uh, breaking reports leading up to the draft. <laughs> Eventually, there will be some 770 scouting reports that are posted on the website uh, for all the players that are selected through the 255 pit- picks and the uh, 10 to 12 players that the Miami Dolphins may sign afterwards as free, uh, as free agents. And we grade the draft, and then over the summer, if you're really a crazed draft fan, you can you'll get a foundation because we break down every uh, Division One A or uh, FCS team, whichever one you like to call it these days, uh, and all the top NFL prospects that'll be playing on Saturday come the fall of 2018. All right, Tony Pauline, DraftAnalyst.com. Thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. Greatly appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Required listening with Amazon Music. Dad music again. The greatest guitarist. All right, and there it is, the interview from Tony Pauline. Sorry about that, at kicking in at the end again. A lot of, a lot of great information coming in through there again. We've heard all that discussion already, but he did drop some interesting tidbits that we haven't heard anywhere else. For example, we knew the Dolphins liked Baker Mayfield. We knew they liked Josh Rosen. We weren't so sure that they viewed them pretty much really close to each other and Pauline kind of dropped that information there where he says that the Dolphins could be going after Josh Rosen and, in fact, maybe using Jarvis Landry as a chip to trade up. Houts, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, great interview with Tony. I mean, it was awesome to have him on. A lot of knowledge in that interview. Uh, yeah, I mean, you and I, we both want a quarterback. We both like Tannehill, but we're ready to see uh, what the Dolphins can do in the draft, bring in a guy that can, can whether he learns or competes right away. But Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, I think Rosen's probably the most NFL-ready quarterback. As Tony said, his accuracy is second to none. And Baker Mayfield, exciting player, guy that I know both of us love, would love to see in Miami. If the Dolphins can use Landry, I, I hate to see him go, but it seems like that's the direction the Dolphins are headed. And what better way to use Jarvis Landry as a trade chip than to move up to get one of those quarterbacks? So, and your thoughts on the interview with Tony Pauling, what do you got? Man, there's so much to dissect with the quarterback group. You know, we've we've seen uh, Mayfield and Rosen kind of linked to us. And you just uh, – part of me, and I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older and I have so many kids that I don't know that I'm – necessarily buying everything either part of me thinks it's too early into the game for us to have unraveled everything at this point so maybe uh, this is a smoke screen and we are making a mountain out of a molehill but we're going to find out here sooner than later you're right we don't know what a smoke screen that what smoke screens are coming and what smoke screens are not coming you look at Twitter and you look all around and you look in all the papers and agents use reporters, teams use reporters, and reporters pay back the favor to agents by saying, okay, I'll run an article for you. I'll run an article on your guy. I'll make your guy look good in exchange for information down the road. Listen, full disclosure, I've done it in the past. 
when I would write for websites, when I had my own website, Fin Maniacs, and when I was a contributing writer on the Finsider, I did have contact with a few agents. And believe it or not, we would talk to each other, and I would say, listen, I'll write a favorable article on your guy. Obviously, listen, I had to believe in this guy, right? I had to believe in a player, and I had to believe that he could do something at least. It wasn't a complete bust or a complete bum. But I would tell the agent, and the agent would reach out to me, and, and he would say, you know, listen, I have some guys that the Dolphins are looking at. Would you mind doing an article on them, drive up the interest a little bit, get some rumor mills going? So I would, and I would get information in exchange for it. And that's what reporters do. Obviously, I wasn't getting guys like first, second, third round picks. I was getting the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks because that's where I was at my stage of my, I guess, internet, Twitter, Dolphins career. But nowadays, you know, with this podcast and with getting a lot more followers and having that reputation on there, the information flies in a little more and it's not to brag again, like I said last week, but it's just, you know, the fact of the matter it is. And I see, yes, and I see on Twitter, a lot of people replying to me all the time. Oh, it's all just smoke and mirrors. It's draft season. Everything is smoke and mirrors. Thing I say to that, that's a lazy response because everything is not all smoke and mirrors. Some of it is actually true. You just have to connect the dots, figure out the smoke, and then weed through everything. Let's Absolutely. And I think a rough trend. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, sign. Yeah, I was just going to say that's why it's such a hard thing to decipher with the Miami Dolphins because, A, we, we do have a quarterback problem. I'm, I'm not saying Ryan Tannehill, but I'm saying in general we have a depth problem and we have a long-term problem as I see it. So there is a kind of natural fit for us to talk about drafting a rookie quarterback. At the same time, many of us have seen Ryan Tannehill play over the years, and there's not a desperate need for quarterback. And what I would argue is that teams that want to trade up are in desperate need of quarterback, which I don't think that we're in. So that's why it's so hard to untangle all this. Just piggybacking on your earlier point of just how the media and front offices work together, and some of the research that I saw, I I saw a former uh, St. Louis Rams, now Los Angeles Rams scout, saying that he would have select members of the media that he would say, hey, you go ahead and go with this position in a mock draft, but let me give you the guy's name that I want you to run with. So in in a sense – Sometimes, I know this is weird, but sometimes NFL teams will throw out some real nuggets. Like you said, you have to keep people off balance somehow. And people in NFL circles know each other too well to come out and be vanilla. So you have to come out in a weird sort of way. You have to be kind of aggressive with your smoke screens. And I know this sounds way far-fetched. But when you consider how many millions of dollars and how many people's jobs are on the line, it's not that ridiculous to think that they would go to the ends of the earth to manipulate the information about their team. And we talked to Greg Gabriel a few weeks ago on the show, and he even said that sometimes they would put real information out there just to throw someone off track because teams – look at it and they try to find patterns and, and teams, you're right. They do throw real information out there sometimes just to keep people guessing. 
So some teams might be saying, oh, the Dolphins are in love with Baker Mayfield. They might say, oh, it's a smoke screen. They're going after someone else. When in reality, it is Baker Mayfield who they really love all along. Dolphins, by the way, will be dining with Baker Mayfield on March 13th before his pro day. Coincidentally, and yes, it is a coincidence because these pro days are scheduled long in advance, but March 13th is the day before free agency. And the Dolphins, after that dinner, will have a better idea of who Baker Mayfield is and kind of understand what their plan of attack might be. And that might influence them in free agency because one quarterback they're talking about is Teddy Bridgewater. And I know this hasn't been discussed in many league circles, but Teddy Bridgewater will be a free agent. And the Dolphins really like Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridger, Bridgewater isn't being brought in to really be seen as the quarterback of the future, per se. He can come in and prove himself, yes, absolutely, and be that quarterback. But the Dolphins want to bring in someone who can challenge Ryan Tannehill for that starting spot. They also want to bring in somebody who is going to be ready to play at a moment's notice, unlike Matt Moore, unlike Jay Cutler. So Teddy Bridgewater is going to come and he's going to compete if the Dolphins do end up signing him. Houts, I know you're a big fan of Teddy Bridgewater. What are your thoughts on this possibility of bringing in Bridgewater? And after you talk, I'm going to then throw another wrench into it for Sutton and talk about trading Ryan Tannehill. Houts, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think uh, the biggest concern with him is his injury history. I mean, I know that's kind of similar to what what we all see with Ryan Tannehill, but I don't see why Teddy Bridgewater couldn't come in and compete with that starting job. I'm not sure that that's what Miami's intention would be if they did sign him, but uh, he's, in my opinion, a hell of a lot better of a quarterback than Matt Moore or Jay Cutler. So for the Dolphins to go out there and get Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know if that would fill that need of a rookie quarterback for the future, but I do think that he has potential. And if he can come back healthy, there's no reason why he can't compete with Ryan Tannehill. And I'm not sure if that's something the Dolphins would welcome, but I, I would definitely welcome him as a fan of the team and someone that wants to see what's best for the Dolphins. So I would absolutely be behind Teddy Bridgewater coming to Miami. And now here's the wrench I'm going to throw to Sutton before Sutton speaks on this. The Dolphins have been rumored to be trading Ryan Tannehill. And Tony Pauline said during the interview that the Dolphins are not sold on Ryan Tannehill as their quarterback of the future. So if the Dolphins do trade Ryan Tannehill as a chip to move up in the draft or a chip to get other draft picks later in the draft, then Bridgewater, by default, becomes the number one guy. Let's say then they draft someone like Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen. The Dolphins ideally would like to use Bridgewater as that bridge quarterback, no pun intended, and let that rookie sit in the year for the first year, ideally. Sutton, do you think that's the right way to go, or do you think if the Dolphins draft a quarterback in the top five, top seven, you better start that guy from day one? Oh, man, we're talking about drastically different scenarios here. On one hand, we're talking about having Tannehill and drafting a rookie, with Tannehill being the bridge for said rookie quarterback. Um, Conceivably, we would go into 2019 with this rookie quarterback, assuming that Ryan would be with us for another year and doesn't get hurt, yada, yada, yada. And on the other hand, we're talking about trading Tannehill, having no one, literally no one on the roster other than Brandon Dowdy, and picking someone up in free agency and drafting somebody. I think that latter scenario is too many risky variables involved to do that. So I really do think that if we do go rookie quarterback early in the first round, and 
I think it's because we have Ryan Tannehill on our roster, not the other way around. Now, if we do trade him, we become that team that has a desperate need to trade up and get a quarterback. So, in other words, we are completely pigeonholed into trading up to get a rookie quarterback that we're probably going to start right away. So, if we end up getting Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen, I think the days of sitting your rookie quarterback are behind us. I think in today's uh, NFL, you want your rookie quarterbacks to go out, start games, and win games, and put something on tape that justifies the selection for them so high. Because if you go up and get somebody and the tape doesn't justify it, that's when people's that's when people's jobs start uh, rolling down the hill, so to speak. So a tremendously difficult uh, decision for the front office to make. But I look for I look I look for, I look for us I look for us to invest later rather than sooner. All right. So, son, you say you know you said all that for me. If you're drafting a quarterback in a top five, top seven, I am starting him from day one. Okay, I have Absolutely. that guy, that uh, yep. that veteran quarterback behind him, ready to go just in case. But you got to take your lumps, right? For me, uh, just as a fan, as an observer who's watched the NFL for years, who've studied this game, who's studied film, and who's done a lot of research on it. And I, obviously, I'm not an NFL coach. I'll never be an NFL coach. But we saw what happened with Carson Wentz when he got thrown into the fire, right? Took his lumps, was better because of it. We saw what happened to Jared Goff. Took his lumps. Oh, my God, he took his lumps in year one. One of the best (laughs) quarterbacks in the league in year two. Yep. Even Ryan Tannehill took his lumps year one, got better year two. There is nothing that can replicate game speed, okay? And they're saying, coming out of the combine, Baker Mayfield's football IQ is off the charts. They're saying Josh Rosen's football IQ is pretty good. So you put a guy in there, you let him learn, you let him learn the game speed, and then you go from there. And you just start thriving in year two, and you really turn on the Jets year three. And then you got that guy in his rookie contract year three, year four, year five, really getting it out there and proving that he was worth that high pick. So for me, you draft a quarterback in the first round of the top five, top seven, hell, top 10, top 11, Let's say they stay at 11 and still get a quarterback. You play that guy from day one. And I don't want them going to a veteran guy, you know, and doing the opposite. All right. We're going to wrap up the show in about five minutes. We're going to replay the interview here at the end of the show for those who missed it at the beginning. We talked about Jarvis Landry ad nauseum, and nothing has changed. We heard Tony Pauline say that they want to use Jarvis as a chip to move up in the draft. And that means that the Dolphins may hold on to Jarvis Landry throughout free agency. Up through the draft. We don't know their plan in free agency. They can clear some cap room by cutting Lawrence Timmons, Julius Thomas, Jawan James. They can, they can maneuver the cap around to carry that $16 million tag. We don't know how aggressive they're going to be in free agency. They, they might not be planning to be aggressive at all, which in that case, they don't need a ton of money, and they can afford to hold Jarvis's uh, contract and salary there. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on Jarvis, but I want to just touch briefly on, before we replay the interview in about three minutes or so, and wrap up the show, the NFL Combine. And the biggest story was Shaquille Griffin, the linebacker who has one hand, who with a prosthetic arm, I think benched 20 times, who ran a blazing 4.38 in the 
in the 40-yard dash and who was the talk of Twitter this past weekend. Sutton, what, what did you take of it? And I'm going to give my opinion on what should happen to him in terms of draft boards. But Sutton, I want to hear your opinion first. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, at, I'm in awe of this guy. And I know part of this is going to be an awkward conversation, but how are you a good football player when you only have one hand? It just doesn't biologically make sense to me. But he clearly is. That's the point. He clearly is an amazing football player. How in the world does he do it? And the only thing that I can arrive at is that he has the intangible mental makeup, whatever you want to call it. He has this resiliency about him that you just can't, you can't put any obstacles in his way because he's going to destroy them. So I think he's a elevated his draft stock and B I think he has a whole slew of NFL teams who are going to be interested in him. Cause think of the public relations that's going to, that's going to develop from a team drafting him. It's only going to get better for whatever team. Okay. You have to throw that out there, but B as a football player, this dude can play. He can tackle. He's intercepted passes with one hand. Okay. So this dude, there, there's nothing that this guy can't do. So I'm just, I just sit back and this is one of those moments where you're just a fan and you just enjoy what you're watching because you, these types of storylines only come around so often. How Shaquille Griffin, where do you think his draft stock goes from here after his amazing combine workout? Yeah, I think a lot of people had him in that third to fourth round range before the draft, and then he came out and ran that four three eight. He did the twenty reps. I mean, it, it was just amazing to watch. Like Sutton said, I mean, you see that guy been through so much in his life, and then just go out there and just ball out when the when the stage is on him. So I mean, he's a guy who no one even—I don't even think he was invited to the combine until late. So they got there, he made the most of his opportunity. I definitely see him going somewhere in the second round, and any team would be lucky to have a player like him. So, yeah, he wasn't invited to the combine at first, and then he got invited later on. So, for me, what NFL teams should do, smart NFL teams, they should not take this combine workout and automatically move them up a round or two. That would be the wrong thing to do. That's what Bill Parcells did with Pat White, and he saw how that turned out. What they should do, though, is what most NFL teams are probably doing this week, is looking back at his film and realizing, okay, does his speed in the 40-yard dash translate in his game? Is he really that fast when playing the game? Because, you know, Jarvis Landry ran a slow 40, and he plays much faster. We've seen guys like Shaquille Griffin run fast 40s and then not translate once they put the pads on. Completely different game. And really, when you run the 40, when, how often do you run the 40 in the NFL? Hardly ever. Unless you're on kickoff returns, unless you're the gunner, unless you break one free and you're running down the field. So NFL teams right now this week are looking back and they're saying, okay, is he really that fast when playing the games? Is he really that fast when taking down, uh, shutting blockers and taking down guys? That's what they're going to figure out this week. But if you're moving him up one, two, three rounds based on his combine workout, you're making a huge mistake. All right. One more thing, and then we're going to replay the interview for those who are joining in late. From the combine, what, what you followed, what you watched, after seeing all that, right, we have the quarterbacks on the board for the Dolphins possibly in the first round. But you also got guys like Tony Pauline said, Derwin, Derwin James. You got Tremaine Edmonds. You have Roquan Smith. You have Quinton Nelson, the guard. 
you have um, did I already say Derwin James? I think I did. You have Mika Fitzpatrick, who said he's probably ideally a slot corner, which may bring him down a bit. So for you, Houts, you have one pick in the first round. You can either move up, get somebody, or you can stay at 11. Who is your guy? Oh, man. I mean, there's lots of good names you said. I mean, Tremaine Edwins, what he did, he's showing you exactly what type of player you want. But like Tony said, if you stay at 11, there's a good chance you're not getting him. Laquan Smith would be great. Didn't really do all those combine workouts because he tweaked something, but he's one of those players that would be high on my board. Quentin Nelson, I think he's a top three player in this year's draft. But if you're giving me a gun to my head, you let me have any choice over the prospect. I'm not going to trade up for Saquon Barkley as much as I'd like to, but for me it's going to be Baker Mayfield. I don't know what the Dolphins have to do to get him, but that's the player that I covet most and would want on my team at the end of the draft. So, and how about you? Gun to your head, you can either move up or you can stay at 11. Who's your guy? I'm going to have to completely disagree with Houts there. I'm going to stay put. If anything, I'd like to move down, to be honest with you, because, again, you can't move down. I don't you can't think... move down. Okay, so we can't move down. So I'm going to stay put, and I'm going to capitalize on the fact that the teams before me are going to make mistakes, which inevitably every draft teams are going to make mistakes before us in this position. So we need to be in a position to capitalize on that opportunity because we will have it. We just hope that we draft the right guy. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards staying at 11. We're not trading up for anybody. We're a 6-10 team with a lot of holes. So let's stay put. We're going to draft the best defensive player that we have on our board at that time. For me at that position – Man, it's a toss-up between Smith and Edmonds for me, and I'm going to go with Edmonds because I think he offers a little bit more versatility, and he has the hidden inside factor of his dad playing for the Miami Dolphins as well. Yeah, this is a tough one, and as much as I love Baker Mayfield, as much as I love Josh Rosen, you can sit at 11 knowing that you're going to get an elite defensive player you're probably getting Roquan Smith there or Derwin James, who was fast enough at the combine where people are now saying he can play corner and he's an elite player. But at the end of the day, the quarterback, if you don't have a quarterback, you got nothing, right? We've seen great teams not have a quarterback and do nothing. We've seen teams with great quarterbacks and not a lot of talent around them and do a lot. We've seen teams with great quarterbacks and bad defense and still do a lot. You haven't seen a ton of teams with elite defenses and bad quarterback play and still do something. And Tannehill is coming off two knee injuries. What hasn't played a game in what, 19 months, 21 months. And here's the thing for me. Yes. Josh Rosen might be better than Baker Mayfield. I don't think by a lot, but he might be better. Yes. Josh Allen. I don't think Josh Allen's better than Baker. But Sam Darnold might be better than Baker Mayfield on paper. And yes, you may have others in there who have the potential to be better than Baker Mayfield. But the thing that I think people are not taking into account is this. Baker Mayfield and Adam Gase, from the surface, have amazing chemistry. The way Baker acts is the way that Adam Gase acts. Obviously not the immature antics, but the fire, the chip on the shoulder the bluntness, the confidence, the cockiness 
that is Adam Gase in a nutshell. Are you going to get that with Sam Darnold? Probably not. Are you going to get that with Josh Allen? Probably not. Are you going to get that with Josh Rosen? Maybe, but Josh Rosen to me is like Jay Cutler in terms of people misunderstand who he is. And he's not going to be out there confident, cocky, arrogant, like that Adam Gase is. And you've heard stories and practices where Adam Gase will talk trash to the other players on the team. And that's Baker Mayfield. And I think together, their chemistry together and everything else will lead to greatness in Miami. So I am doing everything I can. If that means giving up a one next year, I'm giving up a one next year. Because I bet I tell you what, the Eagles are not regretting giving up all those picks for Carson Wentz. No, they are not. Yes, Carson Wentz was not the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl. But if it wasn't for him, they don't even get to the Super Bowl. Those are my thoughts. All right, boys, we're going to replay the interview. Any last thoughts? I'm just curious as to if Ten Hill goes down, what would Sutton, Sutton, what's your plan? That, that's kind of the biggest thing for me. I think the Dolphins, I like what Tannehill's done, but you just can't put any, you, you just can't have confidence in him right now. And I think the second he goes down, what we're going to go out and give ten million dollars to Jay Cutler again. I think at thirty years old, two knee injuries, hasn't played like like Kanata said in nineteen months. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to go out and get your guy. I think drafting a rookie will buy everyone in this front office and Adam Gase especially three more years because at the end of the day inherited Tannehill he made the most out of him Tannehill had a hell of a year his first season with with Adam Gase but we don't know what Tannehill is going to become and at the end of the day you're not winning if you don't have a quarterback so that's where I'm going with Baker Mayfield I was just curious as to what your plan would be if Tannehill again goes down in OTAs what where, where would you see the Dolphins doing ah uh, man that's absolutely tough call to make Hopefully we wouldn't be in that position again just to play the law of averages. So how many starting quarterbacks are, have season-ending season ending injuries two years in a row? Um, so I might actually roll the dice a little bit thinking that Ryan Tannehill is going to be healthy this year. Uh, at the same time, I don't think we can neglect backup quarterback. I just don't know. I don't know second, third fourth round guys if there's anybody there that we like because we've we spent all of our time and energy with who would be available at 11 or possibly moving up higher what if we didn't draft quarterback in the first round and we're looking at a mid-round investment then how does that shape the conversation so um i don't know and there's not any mid-round guys that i particularly like to be honest with you so i don't know uh, what we would do a backup quarterback other than possibly the Bridgewater route, possibly uh, the veteran route. All I'm looking at is just this team in general, and I don't see, although quarterback is the most important position in the NFL, I don't see it as the biggest need for the Miami Dolphins at this particular time. So that's all, that's all I'm approaching this this roster look. Um, with the quarterback position, so uh, would like to get that shored up, but I, I don't know that we can do that this year, to be honest with you. All right, fair enough, son. And, and listen, Kirk Cousins' situation is going to be a lot in terms of dictating how the quarterback market goes, and we have a little yeah, ways to go, and again, we'll have a whole yeah. show dedicated to that. All right, we're going to wrap up the show here. Stick around if you missed the interview. We're going to replay the Tony Pauline interview. We will be back with a free agency preview before the start of free agency next week on March 14th. Until then, enjoy Tony Pauline and the inside information that you have not heard anywhere else. We are joined now by Tony Pauline of DraftAnalyst.com. Tony, thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. 
Thanks for having me. All right, Tony, let's get straight to it. A lot of talk coming out of the NFL Combine about the Miami Dolphins and quarterbacks, specifically their interest, and some say love for Baker Mayfield. How accurate is that? Is it a smokescreen, and what do you see the Dolphins doing? Uh, you know, I reported uh, just as the combine was starting that I thought they were going to use Jarvis Landry as, a, as ammunition to trade up and get one of the quarterbacks uh, if they start to fall. So they, de- they definitely are interested in the quarterbacks. Whether it's Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen, I don't know that yet. Uh, I-, I think both have upside, both have downside, and I think we'll know more as we get closer to draft day. But the fact is this, the Dolphins are looking at a young quarterback. They're not sold on Ryan Tannehill. Um, really hasn't proven himself despite the big contract he was uh, handed. So, you, could, you, you know, it's a story to follow, and there is, uh, you know, obviously a lot of credibility to it that they may go quarterback in round one. So you say the smokescreen there, possible smokescreen there, uh, report of love in Baker Mayfield, possibly Josh Rosen. You got Sam Darnold at the top there, possibly the Browns coming up to get him. And you also got Josh Allen and also Lamar Jackson. In your opinion, who do you see as the best quarterback in this draft? Well, Lamar Jackson is really not in that conversation. If he goes in the first round, it's going to be at the bottom of round one. Uh, of the other guys that, that you mentioned, I, I mean, all have upside, all have downside. Right now, Sam, uh, Josh Rosen is my number one rated quarterback. I think he is the most NFL ready. He is the most accurate passer. Compared to Allen Darnold, he really gets it between his ears uh, more so than those two guys. His arm isn't as good as Allen's or Darnold's, and he's got a, a long injury history, which has to be checked out, which you know may scare some teams. He's had concussions last year. The prior year he had a shoulder injury, which shelved him for most of the season. And he's got a personality that just rubs people the wrong way. So, again, a lot of upside but some downside with him. Uh, Josh Allen, I actually think, will be the first quarterback who is selected uh, he's got a wow. tremendous arm. I mean, he has the ability to make passes that no other quarterback uh, in this draft and some other quarterbacks in the league cannot make uh, w- with that arm strength. And he, ba- he shows the ability to really place the passes at times into the receiver's hands, but he's very inconsistent about it. You know, you've heard criticisms and concerns about the accuracy, and they're true. I do think he helped himself at the uh, combine. He wasn't precisely accurate, but you didn't see receivers leaving their feet or adjusting backwards to catch Aaron throws. He's got to be put in a situation where he's given time and he's given proper coaching. You know, Sam Darnold, he's got great, uh, he's got better uh, physical skills than um, Josh Rosen. He's more accurate than Josh Allen, but he's far from NFL ready. He needs a lot of work on his fundamentals. He needs a lot of work on his ball security. drops that ball too much, whether it's through interceptions, whether it's fumbled snaps, whether it's fumbled when he's carrying the ball outside the pocket. That's a major question, Mark, as are his reads. I mean, he was described to me during the season as a one-read wonder. So you have to to try and project how long before he's ready to step underneath the center in the NFL and do so productively once all those other – or how long it's going to take to get all those other things in line. Baker Mayfield – I'm not really sold on Baker Mayfield as far as the next level is concerned. I know he was an electrifying quarterback. Uh, He was a great uh, quarterback to watch on Saturday. The height is an issue. He doesn't have a huge arm. Playing in in that wide-open system in the Big 12, I just – my concerns with Baker Mayfield is he's not going to be able to do the same things on Sunday that he got away with doing on Saturday. He's not going to be able to thread the needle like he did in the Big 12. 
He's not going to be able to really uh, escape the pocket as easily as he did on Saturday. Uh, so I, I think Baker Mayfield, you know, he's a good quarterback. I, I just don't consider him an elite quarterback prospect. It's funny because everyone's talking about Baker Mayfield. Not a lot are talking about Josh Allen, but you're saying you think Josh Allen would be the first quarterback off the board. It wouldn't be a huge surprise in terms of what happens at the draft. We saw the Bears trade up last year for Trubisky when no one expected that the Chiefs trade up for Patrick Mahomes. Let's shift away now from quarterbacks and go to running backs. And the first running back obviously taken off the board this year will be Saquon Barkley. And everyone's just raving about him. Some are calling him like Sean Payton is the best running back prospect he's seen in 25 years. What can you tell us about Saquon? And Is he the next greatest thing? Well, he looks to be. I mean, obviously, you know, when you get to the next level, a running back can't do it all by himself. He's got to be put in a situation where he's got a good offensive line, which is why I think, you know, the Cleveland Browns would do justice for themselves and the Barkley by, taking, by using the first pick of the draft on him because they have a very good offensive line. Barkley's a three-down back. He's got a lot of versatility to his game. He can grind it out on the inside. He's a smart back with excellent vision. He can pick and choose his spots on the inside. He's got the speed to turn the corner and run to daylight. He's a terrific receiver out of the backfield, a legitimate pass-catching threat. He's also an outstanding uh, return specialist. I don't know that you're going to use him once he gets established in his, game, in his game at the next level, but, hey, you never know. If your team's down by four points and there's less than two minutes left and you need a big kick return, you might as well stick him back there. <clears throat> I think it's the completeness of his game. I think it's the versatility. I think it's the ability to be used in different blocking schemes that makes him so attractive. And then, of course, the topping on the cake was his workout. I mean, he proved that he is a big, fast, strong, explosive athlete uh, that really can just about do anything at the running back position. We're joined by Tony Pauling of DraftAnalyst.com. Tony, just a few more questions for you here today. Suppose the Dolphins don't move up for a quarterback or they don't draft a quarterback in the first round. you got guys like Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edwards, Derwin Jones possibly falling down to number 11. Who do you see as a guy that may fall down to that range for the Dolphins who would work out for them? I don't think uh, Tremaine Edmonds is going to be there. I think the uh, Oakland Raiders are going to take him at 10. You know, the question mm-hmm. is, is, is Derwin James the center fielder that they like, or is he strictly a strong safety? I think that's something that they have to answer. Uh, if you're looking at uh, linebacker, it could be Ro- uh, Roquan Smith. It could also be uh, uh, Leighton Vanderesh, who's moving up draft boards, who is mm-hmm. – you know, doesn't uh, it, it probably isn't as good in pursuit as uh, Roquan Smith is, but he's a three-down back who's much better in coverage and has much greater ability as a pass rusher. So, uh, you know, the only name I, I would take Tremaine Edmonds out of that conversation, I may sla- uh, slide Leighton Van Der Esch in there and, and basically take it from one of those three players. Tony, let's shift away from the draft for just a second. What is the latest you're hearing on Jarvis Landry? Well, I mean, the latest I'm hearing is what I reported right before the combine, is that they're going to use him as a trade chip. They're going to try and use him to move up uh, and basically uh, get one of the quarterbacks. But, you know, come April, come May 1st, I don't expect Jarvis Landry to still be a Miami Dolphin. All right. And one more question, Tony, for you. Just give us a little background on DraftAnalyst.com, your website. Yeah, basically, we're, we are dedicated to the NFL draft 12 months a year. So we don't cover the draft just for three or four months. I mean, we went from extensive combine coverage starting tomorrow. We get into the pro days. We'll delve into that for the next month or so uh, head first, uh, as well as breaking news. We'll have uh, breaking reports leading up to the draft. <laughs> Eventually, there will be some 770 scouting reports that are posted on the website. 
uh, for all the players that are selected through the 255 pick, picks and the uh, 10 to 12 players that the Miami Dolphins may sign afterwards as free, uh, as free agents. And we grade the draft, and then over the summer, if you're really a crazy draft fan, you can, you'll get a foundation because we break down every uh, Division 1A or uh, FCS team, whichever one you like to call it these days, uh, and all the top NFL prospects that will be playing on Saturday come the fall of 2018. All right, Tony Pauline, DraftAnalyst.com. Thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. Greatly appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Required listening with Amazon. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. To listen to podcasts, check it out. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.